Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today, we are both very excited to be talking to you about the collaboration between Jim Henson and David Bowie and George Lucas. What year was, was it? Was George Lucas involved? 1986. I thought so, yeah. Is that not um, Willow? <clears throat> Well, we'll have to look it up. Yeah. Anyway, today we're going to be talking about Legend. Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do. Uh, 16-year-old Sarah is... Wait, wait, wait. Not Legend. I'm sorry. Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Labyrinth, I I didn't even catch that. I was kicked in the head by a donkey. So (laughs) bear with me. Labyrinth. Labyrinth, baby. TriStar Pictures announces the collaboration of three extraordinary talents. Jim Henson, creator of the Muppets and Dark Crystal. Where you go with a head like that? George Lucas, creator of the Star Wars saga. (laughs) And one of the most innovative forces in modern entertainment, David Bowie. Together, they will take you into a dazzling world of fantasy and adventure. There's nothing to be afraid of. A world where anything seems possible, and nothing is what it seems. Everything I've done, I've done for you. I move the stars for no one. The world of Labyrinth. Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do. 16-year-old Sarah is given 13 hours to solve a labyrinth and rescue her baby brother, Toby. That was weird wording. Weird way I said that. Uh, We're off to a When great- her wish for him to be taken away is granted by the Goblin King, Jareth. And it stars David Bowie, Jennifer Connelly, and a bunch of Muppets. And it was directed by Jim Henson. And now I'm curious as if to as to George Lucas's involvement. I I think so. Am I insane? All right, we'll we'll have to look into that while we're talking. So okay, so we both had seen this in the past. What did you think of it? Had you have you seen this a bunch of times? Is this like a beloved oh, from your one. youth film? I I haven't seen it. Yeah, it was produced by George Lucas. Oh, okay, all right. I did not know. I have um, I I probably haven't seen it since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Relatively, relatively kid. I I wasn't like we weren't young kids when this came out, but um, thirteen. Yeah, but we were still you know young. Um, yeah. And I think at the time, um, at the time, you know, Hanson for me was Sesame Street and then The Muppet Show and the the, the Dark Crystal was fell a little prey to this too. Like it all looked like Hanson to me and some of the genius of the design and the inventiveness of the design was eclipsed a little bit is that I kept I kept wanting 
Muppets that I already knew somehow. I didn't want these strange Muppets. I couldn't unsee the Muppet for the film. Um, You're talking about when you were a kid? When I was watching it, when this first came out, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, they're not doing the Muppets anymore. Now they're doing this other stuff. Right. But as I revisit it now with enough time, uh, you know, you can't deny the imagination that just the stunning visual uh, inventiveness and creativity in this. I mean, I think this this movie. It's not perfect. It drags a little bit, frankly, um, for me. Um, but visually spectacular absolutely and i think it picks up it it i got more invested in it as we went along it was a little bit of a slow start for me in terms of caring uh, she or uh jennifer Connolly plays the lead and that uh, she is uh spoiled and um very self-absorbed I mean, that's all part of the story but she's difficult to like in the beginning and she has a baby brother that's crying and you know it's it's really something she doesn't want to deal with and as a parent i'm like will you please soothe that baby like i can't watch this baby in distress all you have to do is pick him up and like comfort him that baby was breaking my heart and he's standing in his crib just oh film crew please don't torment a baby but uh yeah what did you think Yeah, so I saw this in the theater. I went with my sister, who is six years younger than me. So I I was 13, I guess, and she would have been seven. Um, And I remember, I I think I would agree with a lot of what you said there. I think, like, I loved Sesame Street and the Muppets and Fraggle Rock as a kid. And, you know, then Henson hit this fantasy period where it was like everything seemed that he was doing was this fantasy um type of thing and i think even as a kid i always wanted to like the stuff i wanted to like it more than i did the dark crystal i always thought was pretty cool i think that was maybe like 82 and and i found it pretty scary you know as a child it was the skexies you know they were pretty uh they were pretty frightening but when i saw this and i had not I don't think I had ever caught this on television or anything like that since 1986. And um, I think my sister was really into this, but I, I think at 13, I was probably a little bit too old. You know what I mean? At at that time. And uh, Henson was definitely a genius. Um, and I would say like you, this is the, the, particularly the design of the creatures and everything is great. And all the puppetry and all that is, as you would expect from a Henson production is, is really, really good. This to me suffered a little bit from the same problems I had with time bandits when we watched it a few months ago Um, that, you know, I don't know if it's just our modern, way of that our attention spans have been eroded so much but very much like time bandits there was a lot of this where i felt like okay let's go to the next scene you know this is this is taking too long um i thought uh like you i i thought it was funny in the beginning uh 
you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't really certain at the beginning, if you are supposed to like, if you're a child watching this, cause this, this is very much a children's film. I would say like, you know, up to about 10, this would be a pretty good age. Um, but as a child, are you supposed to be on, are you supposed to empathize with her? Are you supposed to think like, Oh, her parents are so mean. And it's like, 30 seconds of hey you know do you think you could come home and watch your your brother while we go out it's just like you go out all the time you know and it's just like it's just immediately you're just like wow she's a brat you know it's not like you know the the setup sometimes in these movies where it's like oh the wicked stepmother and you know in the 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 presumably the stepmother actually says in this oh i'm the, i'm the wicked stepmother you know but the parents didn't seem that bad, you know? Uh, One thing I noted is they, they want to go out and they want her to watch her baby. How old do you think her character is supposed to be in this film? Supposed to be 16 or 15. Yeah. Okay. 16 or 15. They're coming back at midnight. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I stayed up till midnight when I was 15. Maybe I did. Maybe that's I'm true. Sure. That's true. And like you, I felt like just, the the way the baby was handled and she's yelling at the baby and stuff and i thought you know i know it's make-believe and everything but it's like you know she's really holding that baby and kind of shaking him around and yeah. saying these mean things to him and stuff yeah i felt i thought yeah, i don't There's know a scene later where uh where the goblin king is tossing him up in the air and he they cgi a little bit he tosses him up in the air and then walks away and one of the yeah. other baby comes hurtling back down and one of the other goblins catches him yeah, it's kind of like, oh, easy with the baby guy. Yeah, <laughs> like the baby I, didn't do anything. Um, I thought uh, so. Jennifer Connelly is fine. Um, you know, she kind of has to carry the movie, I guess. Um, I thought Bowie did a good job. Uh, one thing that was making me laugh all through it is: Have you seen the the Flight of the Concords Bowie thing? No. Oh, okay. You have to watch that after watching this movie, uh, because just all through it, I'm just thinking of that that sketch of them. It's it's a really great uh, episode, but they do they have they're dressed up as different eras of Bowie, and you know they have a Goblin King, and it's just like they're just they did a great job, you know, recreating that. He's good in it, I think. As you said, I totally agree with it. Gets better as it goes along, and towards the I'd say the last 20 minutes or so, if the entire film had been at the level of that, like the uh, where they're walking around in the MC Escher thing, you know, on the stairs and everything. And and that was about the only part of that of the movie that really stuck with me that I remembered as a kid. That's really well done. Um, the Bowie songs are pretty bad. I didn't think they were you know i i texted you and said this is not bowie's best work uh yeah the songs are not great and then the other thing is i think it's a little cringy the especially towards the end where she's 16 and you know he's a goblin king so who knows what his age is but bowie was like 40 years old and he's talking about how you know if you'll love me i'll be your slave and all this stuff and it's like that's a little, yeah, that came off a little gross to me. And he's wearing like, 
basically yeah. like yoga pants and you could kind of see a bulge and stuff you know what i, I mean yeah, like, kind of uh yeah. i think that one of the interesting things to me about this too is that i feel like it's it is made for younger kids than 16 right mm-hmm. they're sort of thinking ahead there may be 9 10 11 12 thinking ahead to when they'll be 16 and have to babysit their little brother um and i think it's shot from the perspective of you know this is a girl at 16 who is going through puberty who is into fantasy high fantasy stuff and 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 sort of through that lens of oh the handsome goblin king and it, you know it, not really yeah. processing the like well he's 40 and that's creepy and the whole thing is not there's a bunch of i mean you're the psychology uh graduate but there's a bunch of sort of you know they go to the 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 concepts of love are are relatively unrefined there's no sex Right. Or anything that really even approaches uh, carnal love in this. It's all f- sort of storybook, fairy tale, you know, happily ever after we'll, we'll marry and you'll spend your life with me kind of thing. Um, it, you know, they go to the uh, swamp of stench, which is pretty scatological and it's humor. And so it, it paints the sort of themes as she navigates this labyrinth, which I took to be the sort of labyrinth of adolescence Mm -hmm. or that stage of adolescence. Um, It it paints with some pretty broad brushes that I think is interesting. I I would have liked all of that somehow to, to come into focus a little more. Like there were some scenes that seemed to exist because they had a great design concept and they, you know, there's a scene in which there's a bunch of sort of, you know, puppets, boogly wooglies that keep taking their heads off and they're doing mm-hmm. a, a dance. And it's a different kind of puppet than we've seen yet in the movie. And I'm not, I'm still not really sure what that scene was about. I wasn't sure what they were supposed to represent. It, it kind of goes on and on. It's a song and sort of a nonsense song. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, and, yeah. And there were other there were other parts of it with dealt like with friendship and uh the Goblin King wants um the the um is he a troll or is he a dwarf or what kind of creature is um Hobnort or whatever his name is? I kind of took him as like a troll, but yeah. I don't know. Gives him a uh peach or something and says, Here, you have to give this to her. And he suspects that it's poisoned or is going to do something bad to her but he's afraid and he so he ends up giving her and makes her forget everything and so it you know it explores this idea of what is it to be a friend and forming a friendship and feeling worthy of a friendship and forgiveness and stuff at that at that sort of early early to mid development stage i just the whole thing didn't quite gel in that sense for me you know Mm -hmm in there it's an adventure story it's not a story that you're supposed to be teaching a lot of lessons from i I don't know this is i'm realizing that this is sort of a muddy thought but some of the scenes seemed more about the design and the visual than they did about 
whatever relationships were happening in the film. And that's why I think overall it seemed to drag a little bit. Like it's very important. Now we're going to do this scene mm -hmm. the, with the, with this type of puppet. And then you go, okay, but did that scene need to be six minutes? Like nothing, yeah. everything just kind of comes to a halt where we have this musical number about, you know, and what is she feeling in this? And she, on screen, she doesn't seem to know. Mm -hmm. But the scenes in which, you know, the 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 stuff between her and Bowie is actually good. The stuff between her and another character where she's actually communicating, you know, with another character and they're sharing their feelings. I think those things are good and they get better. They might have shot roughly in sequence because the, the beginning of the film feels pretty stiff. But once she's in the labyrinth and starting to learn like, oh, I could I can get through this if I, you know, rely on my friends and that's what's important and stuff. Then I think that. Jennifer Connelly is a good actress, you know. Oh, sure. Camera loves her. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm rambling, but yeah, it you know, it's it's hard to say if there was any uh symbolism in in all of this. I mean, I I just kind of took it more as this is a kid's movie, you know. Uh, and like you said, we want to do some cool designs and some cool sets and things like that. And this is definitely, this is where I, I, I kept kind of thinking, um, I saw an, an interview with George Lucas the other day, just randomly like on TikTok or Instagram or something like that. And he was talking about people being mad about the prequels and cause they weren't dark enough, you know, that people want everything to be dark. And, and he's like, these are kids movies and he's like you know the originals were kids movies too um but you know i can watch the star wars movies now and not feel like oh this is for little children you know whereas this again i felt like you know you literally you talked about the what is it called the the swamp of stench or whatever yeah where it's stench yeah it literally farts you know the whole time <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's farting the whole time. So, you know, this is the kind of thing that appeals to six-year-olds or eight-year-olds or maybe 10-year-olds. Ten and I actually this. thought there was some scary stuff in this that it might frighten a six-year-old. Like at one point, there's a thing called the cleaner or something, and it's a huge, they're in sort of a circular uh, hallway tunnel. And this thing fills the entire tunnel, and it's mm -hmm. a series of, of concentric, inner. you know, it turns out that it's a cone, but there's lots of scary sharp nasty looking rotating blades on it and there's nowhere for them to go and at the last second they manage to break through a door and get out of the way and then you get this this really neat reverse shot when you're with them and you see the thing go by and there's a couple of weird little like on a big bicycle mm -hmm. and it's really whimsical and interesting once the thing goes by but as it's bearing down on them that's a scary scene i thought and later on, there's a big knight with an axe that has oh, some kind of little creature. You know, that. that's really cool. Uh, yeah, that was cool. You know, so there's a lot of neat uh, set pieces in this. The, the the thing that I always wonder about uh, movies from our youth that were for children, what kids today would would think of the of of this movie in particular. Um, and for whatever reason, I think I was, I don't, I don't know if it was off, 
if it was when we were recording last week or afterward, but <clears throat> for whatever reason, Labyrinth became a big hot topic thing, kind of like uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, where, you know, they sold shirts and, you know, all kinds of, of Labyrinth stuff in hot. I don't know if they're still doing that anymore, but for whatever reason, you know, a generation that, you know, uh, came along well after this movie was originally released and embraced it. Um, so, you know, it has a pretty big cult following, but I don't think that's like little kids. I think that's teenagers and maybe even college age kids getting into it. Um, and I talked to a couple of people just that I know online before watching this, um, or before recording. And they said, Oh, I love labyrinth, you know, people like around our age, Oh, I love, you know, and I've watched it, uh, you know, dozens of times or whatever. So um, I just wonder if, you know, a 10 year old watched this now, what they would think of it, if if this would be too slow to them or if the, you know, if the puppets, the Muppets would feel real to them or, or what, you know, I don't know. Um I do think that if you had if you saw this movie without having grown up on Sesame Street and grown up on the Muppet Show and Fraggle Rock, this would have felt incredibly, incredibly revolutionarily original. Right. Mm -hmm. I just at the time I saw it, I, I was so like. I'd seen everything Henson Studios had done, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I couldn't wait for more of it. So at this point, I feel like. um I couldn't kind of unsee the Hanson of it. Right. And Frank Oz, the two of them were their geniuses and the two of them working together, they've got their own rhythm and, and sense of comedy. And that's all in here too. Um, but, but I can totally see how a generation of people might sort of stumble across this and really latch on to it for all the things that make it great. I mean, I certainly don't want to get into a mode where it sounds like I'm bad mouthing this movie. I'm really glad we watched it and revisited mm -hmm. it. I the the only criticism I have, and it's a if you're judging movies on how entertaining they are, it's a pretty significant criticism. Is that I think as an adult, it dragged. It would be interesting, as you ask, if a kid today thinks it drags. Mm. My hunch is, unless they're a very little kid, that they might. Because yeah. Disney, I mean, there are there are lots of examples of, of companies making kids movies now. I mean, you can say, oh, I don't like Frozen or whatever, but there is a reason that Frozen, we must have watched Frozen 500 times mm -hmm. in my house when that came out because my, my daughter couldn't get enough of it. And I have to admit that I, although I did get, ultimately I got very sick of seeing it again and again and again, it moves right along. You invest in the characters right away. There's just not any fat in that movie, you know? Mm -hmm. It just keeps things driving forward, even when it's being silly. Even when the musical number is a little detour from the main plot. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I don't know. I think there are lots of very popular, readily available, right? Because they're streaming now, too. You, you didn't have to go out and rent your stuff. You can just dial it up anytime you want. Right. The kids today might think like I do that this gets a little lost in the labyrinth. Um, yeah. One thing that I would say about this is, you know, 
these other than you know they've tried to resurrect the muppets a million times as and i think they're doing another one you know but other than the so so i'm sure kids now even are very familiar with the muppets and you know sesame street is still around and all that but other than that we you know you don't get kids entertainment that that's like this you know they did the um the sequel or reboot or whatever of the dark crystal the show that was for netflix and did you did you watch any of that no and i remember being somewhat excited by the the trailer and then i never watched it um which i heard uh I, i talked to a couple of people who said yeah they watched it and it was just too much for children like they didn't I think they kind of thought it was going to be trying to appeal to the people our age who saw it, you know, originally and grew up with it. But <clears throat> you just don't really get this kind of, uh, you know, fantasy with with puppets in this way that you, you know, uh, right? What you know with Henson. You never felt like, um, and he didn't work on on Yoda. That was uh, Frank Oz. But other than Yoda, um, you never really felt like with the Muppets that they were trying to go with realistic, you know, like photo realistic characters. You know, that was part of the right the fun or the magic or whatever of of something like labyrinth or the dark crystal is you never felt like they were trying to say like, okay, we want this to look like this is a real right uh, thing. If that makes sense. You yeah. Know? I think one of the techniques that made Yoda a little different was certainly an empire strikes back. Um, they had a number of different Yoda puppets. It wasn't just a single puppet. So yeah. he was looking, you know, the scene where he says, where he oh, is being playful, you know, is a is a different facial puppet still moving. But the puppet architecture has a certain mood already baked into it. And, mm -hmm. and later when he goes, you know, I'm not afraid. He goes, oh, you will be, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's a different puppet. So I think they were trying to achieve something that. Made the the puppet seem more organic and in this one they were one thing i'll say about labyrinth is they really did push the envelope in terms of what is a puppet right some mm -hmm. of them are sort of multi-person almost marionette stick puppets some of them like the troll we were talking about is a person wearing a kind of it can't be animatronic can it but some of it is like the eyes turn and yeah and when he talks and the, the mouth is sort of moving, but it still feels it's not quite like it still feels. It's a misuse of the term, but there's this kind of uncanny valley between it being a pure puppet and going with it or being pure CGI and going mm -hmm. with it or not. And and it being a, a puppet that a person is wearing. Right. So his hands are very expressive in a completely organic way. And the face is remarkably expressive for a puppet. But yeah, I couldn't stop looking at the mechanism, right? right? 
I didn't really see your performance as much as I saw a puppeteer at work with the mechanism. And I mean, again, I think nobody else does work like this, but ultimately you're trying to hit a mark that what they do with Yoda works in Empire Strikes Back and what they do with this, this character in this one doesn't quite. Mm-hmm. little knight that's a little dog with an eye patch or he's a fox or something i like him that's, yeah and he's pure, pure puppet and but he's I, riding on a dog yeah and you yeah, just go funny. with you just go with it right but they've got mm-hmm. everything in between they've got the giant they've got the giant knight that has to be you know a multi-person um mechanism and then it turns out when they knock the head off that that thing is actually a puppet and there's a little guy yeah. sitting in it like you know working these levers i really liked that it's brilliant. So it's a puppet within a puppet. And then mm-hmm. there are goblins that uh, that are like riding these, I guess they're little dragons. They look a little sort of like half bird, half dragon. But it's in other words, it's it's the it's the it's a little person wearing an outfit that's got false legs. Right. Mm-hmm. So the legs of the, the mount are the legs of the person, but it's, it's brilliantly done. And it's mm-hmm. like, literally there are little finger puppet sized puppets all the way up to this giant thing that is supposedly 20 feet tall. And it looks like they built it to scale. Yeah. And they had multiple people, like it's supposed to be clanky and, and slow. And I just, you know, I think, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, you know, I absolutely recommend this movie on the visual spectacle of it alone. It's not that it's, you know, that, that it's not really a caveat. I, it's not the most entertaining film we've seen, mm-hmm. but I think it deserves a place in this kind of beloved, uh, you know, hall of fame, certainly for this kind of fantasy puppetry stuff. None of it is CGI. It's all practical and models and everything. And it's, it, Early on, when she's exploring the labyrinth, there's she like it doesn't look like there's any doors, and it turns out that there is a door, but it's just an optical illusion that the bricks on the hallway behind line up perfectly with the bricks. That was so cool. And mm-hmm. there's another part where you you come around and there's some boulders, and the boulders look like Bowie's face, mm-hmm. and then as you keep walking past them the illusion chain you know you see that it's a series of boulders in the stack that only if you look at them in that certain way do they make his face and otherwise you lose the illusion and she falls down a pit at one point and there's all these sort of hands coming out of the stone that kind of arrest her fall and say oh we're helping hands and they form the hands come together to to form lots of different faces that's the it's the coolest effect Mm -hmm. and she oh yeah yeah all those different faces yeah i loved that that was so creative so creative and just using hands you know and then there's door knockers there's two doors and one of the door knockers has the the knocker through its ears and the other one is holding in its mouth and of course it's the the one with through through its ears i can't hear you (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was great one there's so much creativity on show here and i think that that when the movie stumbles a little bit is when it prioritizes that over the storytelling of like, okay, well, what is our character feeling now and going through and what are they driving for? And what's the motivation? Let's you have to keep the story (coughs) driving forward and afloat. And so it just takes a little backwater detour. 
I think you could definitely say it's kind of style over substance in terms of there's not a whole lot of story really to this, you know, um, this makes me, you know, now that we've been talking about this, this makes me kind of want to try the, the dark crystal show because I know when they, um, were working on that, that they swore they were going to use as little CGI as possible because, because, People were, I think, you know, people were saying like, oh, you're just going to make everything CGI. And they said, oh, no, you know, it's going to be puppets and, you know, we're going to use C CGI to remove strings and, you know, so you can't see the puppeteers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I I wonder how much of that that they did. But, uh, you know, the thing that's cool about watching this is the the fantasy stuff that we that we get now it all kind of looks the same like i don't know if you have you seen the trailer for the dungeons and dragons movie yes it just looks like game of thrones right you know or lord of the rings or you know the only thing all... that seems fresh to that about me actually is the and it's a trailer so you're not sure but the casting sure. they've decided to go with a list cast yeah unusual for a dungeons and dragons kind of thing but i think that game of thrones and uh lord of the rings might have made fantasy a little more palatable to a sure um and it seems genuinely funny i mean yeah. it, that they're one of the pitfalls of fantasy is that it's <clears throat> deadly serious right and, and you're like well look if it's not gonna be fun and and so this one seems like uh it's it's got a lot of um humor in it mm-hmm that at least in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I figure with Chris Pine, you're yeah. probably going. He's he's being Chris Pine, you know, kind of what we've, you know, Captain Kirk and the guy from uh, uh, Wonder Woman and all that. But just in terms of aesthetically, to me, you know, all the the fantasy stuff that we're getting, it just looks like it could all be shot by the same people and animated by you know what i mean where it's like you're with labyrinth you're getting a very now you could say oh this was all the you know the same kind of stuff that henson was doing but just compared to what we get now we don't get fantasy stuff that looks anything like this at all right. you know if this were a brand new you know independent from jim henson if they if they just said we're gonna re uh uh, you know, we're going to remake Labyrinth. These sets would all be CGI. A lot of the characters would be CGI, right. you know. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, we've seen we've seen Benicio. De, uh, I mean, uh, Guillermo, Guillermo. And I was just going to say he's I don't mean to interrupt you, but he's about Guillermo del Toro. When, when you look at the say, like the Hellboy movies, you know, he's one of the only directors that. um I think is doing anything kind of remotely like this where he is, is using uh, as much practical characters in his films as he can. And I almost feel like that his design, his monster aesthetic, whether or not it owes anything to Henson, it, it's certainly, ev it's evocative of Henson to me. And part of yeah, practical. I'm sure he was heavily influenced by Henson. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's really remarkable. And then I think, you know, from the 80s, Tim Burton had a very distinct look. Mm -hmm. 
And, yeah. uh, you know, I, there aren't a whole bunch of people that you can hold up and say this person. I mean, you can you can say the directors are visionary. I think George Lucas is star. He had a vision that that was enormous in scope. But in terms of this fantasy realm of monsters and goblins and and you're right the tolkien stuff stays pretty close to the original design and the illustrations on the book um mm -hmm. i i were del toro was lined up to do um the hobbit but and before uh jackson Peter jackson before. came back yeah and i remember that he wanted to he wanted to do something really interesting for example with the design of smaug like he wanted it I might be misremembering this, but he wanted it to imagine when he was flying like a hatchet, like when you throw a hatchet that if he somehow has this totally crazy way of hurling through the air when he flies. And I think the studio was kind of like, I think we need to, you know, as, as conservative as fantasy can get, I think we need to stick with the universe Jackson created here that looks and feels like the books. And I don't know how much of that conversation had to do with them waiting or paying more money or what to get Peter Jackson back associated with the project. Right. But they, I think the studio pretty very much wanted more of the same visually. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And it paid off for them because, you know, even the Hobbit movies, even though, you know, people don't seem to like them as much as Lord of the Rings movies, they still made a ton of money. I think, you know, then they're good and you can go back and look at them and he created this you know world of middle earth on screen and everybody hands in a good performance i think the the big thing is that the lord of the rings each was a huge novel that he made a single film out of and the hobbit is a slender little children's volume it's not a big book mm -hmm. and they stretched it into three movies yeah and like even if you took these i mean and i know of course i know why they did it they wanted three more years of epic holiday releases but they are long and you know there's a lot in there that i think sort of drags and if even if you edited those three films down to two films i think it it would be more compelling yeah yeah with del toro um you know he did pan's labyrinth uh but I would love to, which, you know, I love, but I would, wouldn't it be great for him to do just a straight fantasy film, you know, yeah, a, a Dungeons and Dragons-esque kind of a thing. I mean, yeah. if he'd just have free reign to, that would be, could be really amazing. I mean. That, that could be really amazing. One of the things that I'm kind of interested, my daughter is very into D&D &D now, just got into it. And I'm super excited because I don't still play D&D, &D, but I really enjoyed it when I was a kid. I mean, I would. I just, Mostly it's about time. Like, sure. Yeah, we played. <laughs> we used to play. And uh, one of the things I really like about this is there's a druid character that turns into an owlbear. Like it goes into the monster manual and it, it's pulling these classic monsters out. Mm -hmm. I love that because I'm, I'm a, if you're going to call it Dungeons and Dragons and let's see the property. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Have you shown her the cartoon? No. I don't know if it's like how it holds up now, but. I don't remember the cartoon very well. Um, I was really, really into it. 
I think until until uh, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy, I didn't feel like I had seen swords and sorcery on screen that felt as satisfying to watch as my imagination did just playing mm-hmm. the game and reading the monster manual and, you know, and, and looking at fan art and, you know, yeah, it, part of it was just the costumes and the sets didn't look believable. And, and then he came along and put the time and energy and the detail work into it where, you really fell in love with these. Can I understand that Lord of the Rings is not Dungeons and Dragons, but no Tolkien, no Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, right. Um, and so just the just the detail work on the elvish armor and like everything was so invested in that you were and, and shooting in New Zealand. You're like, well, that feels like fantasy land, you know, yeah. crazy mountains and epic valleys and it really looked like a fantasy landscape i mean it, it is kind of a fantasy i've been to new zealand it's gorgeous oh cool i didn't know you'd been there <clears throat> and it's really got a lot of everything it's got the forests i mean for for a relatively small two islands it's remarkable how many different topographies there are there but mm-hmm. anyway um labyrinth so um would you recommend this also? I think I would probably do a a thumb sideways. I think, you know, you have the people who, I guess you have the people who are, l- let me say this. I didn't really have any nostalgic attachment to this other than it just l- loving Jim Henson. Um, but like I say, I'd, I'd never really felt any need over the years to revisit this um i'm glad we watched it uh to to because i thought you know uh because i didn't love it the initial time seeing it and i and i thought um you know maybe now it'd be one of those things where looking at it you know through different eyes I'll, i'll view it differently i um i don't think i realized it was as much of a kid's movie when i was a kid um, I think at the time I just thought it was just kind of weird and, and I hadn't really, you kind of articulated something that I, I, that I, that I didn't really, uh, know how to put into words, I guess, where you said that you, uh, you loved the Muppets and those characters. And when you would see these films, you wanted to see those characters again, and you got, sort of versions of those characters but not exactly and I, I think maybe that's how i felt about these things like the dark crystal and and um labyrinth and other fantasy stuff that that henson worked on at the time um so i guess where i would say sideways is now for people who have not seen this before i don't know who exactly this would be for um i i I can imagine just a lot of people our age, if you said like, hey, you, you're you into Lord of the Rings or or whatever. Um, have you ever seen Labyrinth? No. And if they just watched it as an adult, I think there would be a lot of people just be like, oh, this is a children's movie, you know. Um, but people who 
would be really appreciative of the stuff that we've mentioned, you know, the set design and the, and the characters and all that. I, if you have not seen this before, I think it's watching, it's worth watching for all of that. Yeah. Um, I was, I felt exactly the same way as you were like early on, I felt like this is kind of a slog, but it definitely picks up, you know, kind of in the third act, I guess I would say. And um, I guess one of the complaints I, I maybe had with it is I could have used more Bowie, you know, um, although he doesn't really have a whole lot to do. You know, he spins those glass balls around, you know. Yeah. Um, but I I think if the. If the entire film. Had been as enjoyable to me as the last half hour was, I would say this is a great um, kind of fantasy kids movie. Yeah. Um, but taking it as a whole, I it's pretty good, I, I guess I would say. Yeah. Again, I, I it kept making me, even though they're not exactly the same kind of aesthetic, it um it really made me think of Time Bandits a lot more, which Time Bandits is, you know, a little older uh audience that it would skew towards. But um, yeah, it just um I guess maybe just a little more editing just to kind of shorten some of those long scenes. I would have been more into it. Well, you mentioned Bowie too. Um, <clears throat> he has, um, they have a scene together at the end, right before she gets her brother back. And he sort of, you know, cause all through the movie, I'm like, what is this character about? Like, what is he? He's, he seems to want the thing. And in her recital, it's like, oh, the Goblin King wants to uh, marry her, wants to, you know, wants her as his um, bride or partner, you know, mm -hmm. in his kingdom. But that doesn't seem clear throughout the movie. And at the end, he has a monologue to her. Well, not monologue. He's speaking to her and he has a speech. I almost want to go back and rewatch it where he, he's like, he's sort of saying, she says, you, you're not making it easy or you're not being very cooperative or something like that. And he said, what are you talking about? Like, that's all I've done. And it, the, 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 what I took from that speech was kind of like, I'm being what you, I'm being the goblin king Right. I'm a figment of your imagination. I'm being this contradictory character you wanted of me that you that you wanted me to be. Right. I I'm cruel, just like you wanted and, uh, you know, unyielding, just like you wanted. And the, the way that he phrases it is kind of like uh, all I really am is just this figment of your romantic teenage imagination of what you 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 want the the they're in the bubble right she's mm -hmm. forgotten and they're in the bubble and she's got a big hairpiece wig on that and she's gorgeous and she, with the big puffy shoulders and, and it's like a ball and he's there and it's it's very confusing and his performance that is nothing so much as like kept waiting on her to sort of make the play when of course she's the teenage girl. So she's waiting on the guy to make the play mm -hmm. sweep her off her feet or kiss her or whatever. 
And he seems like a teenage boy would be waiting on a cue from her somehow because yeah. he doesn't know what to do. And I think that in the hands of maybe a different actor and a little more in-depth conversation, you know, because Bowie is not a bad actor, but it's not his first skill. No. Um, we could have seen that character really be the other because the it's she carries the movie but the, it is the it is the tension between those two mm -hmm. he's on the poster and he, i think that character is is part of what makes the movie feel like some of the air is out of it because that it never really delivers on you don't have a moment where you go oh or or you see from the beginning oh i see what the this whole thing is kind of you know Wizard of Oz and this is maybe she dozed off and she's dreamed the whole thing or, you know, but this is all really her mind. Yeah. She gets to the end. And she says, you have no power over me. She remembers the line, you know, mm -hmm. so there's there's a part of the architecture of this film that like it all kind of comes back around at the end, except it doesn't feel satisfying in that way. You're like, so was that supposed to be like a call but tying it all off somehow? Because I didn't, you know. Yeah. Um, I I would still I still thumbs up it. As long as you know what you're getting into. I mean, if you think this is going to be, um, you know, super entertaining as an adult without any nostalgia factor. Like if you're like me, that like I saw it as a kid and it seems there's a lot of it seems labyrinth, labyrinth, labyrinth keeps popping up. Like, yeah, you should totally check it out again on the visuals alone. It's really it's really something. Yeah, I think the whole thing doesn't quite gel in the way that I imagine it aspired to, I guess. I'm yeah, pretty, yeah. I felt like it was going for something it didn't quite deliver on. But in terms of the visuals, man. Never oh, yeah. Like it. I mean, even Pan's Labyrinth, which is incredible. Um, feels like it borrows some some stuff from this. I'm sure. Yeah. And I mean, they're just the imagination, you know, that that went into it. Yeah. You know, for sure. It's worth uh, and Pan, just based on that. is not a kid's movie. Actually. No, 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 not at all. That's movie scared the hell out of me. It was great. Oh, yeah. 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 I love Pan's Labyrinth. Um, Regarding Bowie, when we get off of here, I'm going to send you the Flight of the Concords yeah. okay. thing. And anybody who is a fan of Labyrinth or a fan of David Bowie or whatever, if you have not seen just, you know, go on YouTube and, and look for Flight of the Concords Bowie. We should link to and, it. We should link to it in the comments or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, mm -hmm. I will I will put a link when we when we post this on YouTube. I will put a link to the Flight of the Concords because it's it's fantastic. Um, so all right. All right. So we've already we've already have discussed what we want to do next. Yes. Are you still down with that? To do the uh pray? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, folks, there there's a new movie that's come out. It's called Prey. It's uh, in the uh, Predator franchise. Um, we've both seen it. I won't tip our hands on it, but we thought since this. No, I have not seen it yet. Oh, you haven't seen it yet. No, you already no, watched. I haven't it? watched it. Yet. Okay. Yeah. So we're it's a brand new thing. So and we are going to talk about it. So if you if you um, haven't gotten to it yet and you don't want us to spoil it, be aware of that we're going to do Prey, and then we're going to do Predator Two. We're not yes. going to do Predator 1, although it fits right in the wheelhouse of this thing, too. But we're going to, I think, Danny Glover, I think when you mentioned that, I was like, yeah, because, you know, I remember thinking Predator 2 was good. It's urban. They didn't have Schwarzenegger. 
Um, but I remember thinking it was it was pretty good, but I, I haven't seen it since it came out. So so we're going to do Prey and then we're going to do Predator 2. And uh, a couple of things with that. I don't I haven't checked on where you can watch Predator 2, but Prey is a uh, it, it's only on Hulu. So and I was actually listening to some stuff about it. I'll just say this real briefly. We can talk more about this when we actually do the episode. But it was um People are it's it's the biggest thing that Hulu has had wow. uh, in terms of movies and, you know, and they've had some pretty big things, uh, original, uh, you know, The Handmaid's Tale and, you know, some other things. But people have said it's, you know, had a really great reception and people have said, well, why was this not a theatrical release? But I think it was just one of those things where, the, you know, the last one didn't do so great Predator, the Predator or whatever it was. And, you know, I think that one was kind of a bomb. And so I think I feel, like the, I, I feel like I saw somebody on Facebook saying they were going to see Prey in the theater. Did it have no theatrical release whatsoever? As far as I know, this was strictly Hulu, uh, but I could be wrong. I was wrong about George Lucas and Labyrinth, so I could be totally. Yeah, maybe I, they did I, a I like a tiny little. Every time I was wrong on this podcast, <laughs> I say things like I'm certain of it and then it like literally we'll sign off the following morning i'm like oh i was 100 percent wrong about that <laughs> so yeah i don't know about theatrical or did we just fall silent there for a second i think we just fell silent um interesting prey director opens up on movie releasing on hulu and not in theaters huh yeah, that was my understanding that they did not do any theatrical uh, thing with it. But but anyway, it's been a giant hit for for Hulu. So we're yep. probably going to see more Predator stuff, you know, whether we want it or not, you know. Right. Um, but yeah. So and then uh, with Predator 2, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've seen the original Predator a bunch of times. So, you know, it's not really... Um, I would I would rather watch sure. a Predator movie that I don't remember as well. So. Right. Well, I hear you. And that's our next two. And then we've already even had some conversation about what's down the road from there. But we're going to keep that close to our chest because let's just stick with the next two. Yeah. Um, cool. Do you have anything else that you want to add? Before? Oh, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. That's our handle. We are on YouTube. We're on podcasts. Uh, we're thank you for listening. Instagram like, and Twitter and yeah kind of socials like and subscribe leave us a comment please thank you it's so great to have you listening um okay now is there anything else you want to add i don't think so and we will talk to you next week